This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Everything has a beginning including the philosophy of progressivism. And though progressive thoughts and ideas run rampant in our politics and culture today in the 21st century, progressivism isn't a new idea. In fact, the roots go back much further than even our founding. In my new book, Liars, we trace this history back long before Obama or Clinton came to the scene, long before Lyndon Johnson covered America in his idea of the Great Society. Progressive thought preceded Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, and its roots were planted even before Woodrow Wilson or Teddy Roosevelt came onto the scene of American politics. No, the genesis of progressive ideology can be traced back to the continent of Europe hundreds of years ago, even before Karl Marx himself. To find the roots of progressivism, one has to go back to Germany, the Germany of the 1500s, and the Protestant Reformation against the Catholic Church brought on by Martin Luther. Was Martin Luther a progressive? No, hardly. But his ideas about man's relationship with God has morphed and metastasized over the past 500 years into something completely unrecognizable from what Luther originally thought. Justin Wheeler explains... A lot of the ideas around progressivism are rooted in the German Enlightenment era. Um, And it's really interesting to kind of look at how that how that manifested. Certainly, if you had, uh, you know, had the opportunity to be back and talk to Martin Luther or talk to Nietzsche, they would not have referred to themselves as progressive. This is a modern appellation we have uh, piled on top of of their form of thought. uh, certainly most of these men were deeply religious in one form or another. Many modern progressives are not uh, in a specific way. So, uh, But in terms of understanding the philosophy, sort of how the, the, the thinking around uh, who human beings were, what their relationship was to God, what their relationship was to each other, really looking at the German Enlightenment period is quite an interesting uh, you know, place to kind of start. So how did Martin Luther's declaration that man could have a personal relationship with God instead of enlisting an official that could go between start the ball rolling down the hill towards progressivism that we know today? What ended up being the philosophical roots that, that laid the groundwork so that progressivism as we know it today or as we might understand it today could take hold and you know, start to become the, the primary mode of, of human beings to inter- intercourse with each other, form governments... Uh, and things like that. So I I think starting with uh, Martin Luther and the Reformation movement is kind of an interesting place to start because you can see a clear change in um, man and his his relationship to God as opposed to man's relationship to God being through a a papal leader. Man's relationship to God could become personal, and that started with Martin Luther and the Reformation. Our roundtable continued. Without the, the Protestant Reformation, there wasn't enough opportunity for people to even propose philosophies that were around the idea of man can have a personal relationship to God or 
God doesn't have to be the almighty God up in heaven sitting on a throne that's from the Bible. God can be society. Yeah. And that is, you know, what God manifested. Because I do think of the Reformation as a time when freedom and responsibility, you know, when you distribute that into the hands of the common people and out of the hands of the, the hierarchy of the church Absolutely. in those days, that really is the, the opportunity for freedom and responsibility in the same way it's the opportunity for all, all manner of what goes wrong with human beings. While Martin Luther took the religious path in Germany, making it known that mankind could have a personal relationship with God, it was no more than two centuries later in the late 1700s when another German, a university professor named George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, would use his disbelief in God to better humanity. Friedrich's views on God were shaped at a very young age, and he never looked back on this disbelief. Hegel, in his uh, childhood, uh, had a you know, terribly traumatic experience where um, his uh, a e- epidemic had come through uh, his part of Germany. It was really just influenza, um, but his entire family was afflicted. He was a very young boy. He was feverish. Uh, he woke up in bed. Um, He yelled out for his mother. She didn't respond. He yelled out again. She didn't respond. He started wandering through the house looking for her, you know, dizzy, holding himself up against the wall. He wanders into her room and finds her dead in her bed with her, the, the father laying next to her. He thinks he's also dead. He touched his father's cheek, expecting the same coldness from the grayish skin. But as he touched him, his father stirred with a slight moan. George William Friedrich Hegel's father was still alive. And so was he. Thirteen years old, he sank his head into the blanket, relief overwhelming him. He and his father had both survived the fever, but barely. His relief soon gave way to anger, however. Why? Why had God abandoned them? The priest had put a blessing on their house. George prayed every single day, pleading with God to spare his family. But God hadn't listened. Or maybe had listened but couldn't do anything about it. Either way, it didn't matter. George decided then and there that no other family should ever have to go through that. If God couldn't help, then he would. While America's experiment with personal freedom was hitting its stride by implementing God's law, Europe was dealing with its own revolutionary wave. French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte was marching through Europe when a man who would become known as the father of progressivism, Professor Hegel, took notice of Bonaparte the Conqueror. Hegel believed that the history of mankind was the story of man becoming more and more rational and achieving consciousness to perfect humanity. All that was needed was a government that tamed the impulses of human nature for the greater good. This was Hegel's revolutionary idea of progress. Like many progressives who followed in his wake, Hegel also dabbled in race theory to explain why some societies seemed to progress better or faster than others. The German nations, he wrote, were the first to achieve consciousness. Twenty-two inferior genes, he believed, were the only way to explain why other parts of the world remained economically backward. Hegel concluded that the world now stood at one of the most advanced stages of human history and that experts and knowledgeable persons should rule with the most perfect government and unlimited authority over the individual. Through the state and its rulers in Hegel's philosophy of history, man essentially became God on earth. This was the foundational principle of what eventually became known as progressivism. 
Another name from the Enlightenment period is Immanuel Kant, another philosopher from Germany. Immanuel Kant, one of his primary um, philosophies, especially as it ended up being applied to politics, although he himself said he was never certain that this should be applied to politics because he didn't know if it was possible. But it was the idea of the perfectibility of man, in particular when applied to politics, mm. the idea of perpetual or permanent peace that it could and potentially should be something that would be achieved. Wheeler continued. He even said, now I'm not sure that this is possible because I'm not sure man is perfectible, but he should be. If he's not, we're missing something. And, uh, you know, it, the, the uh, next evolution of that was Nietzsche. Nietzsche found the thing that was preventing us from moving to that next level and finding the perfectibility of man, and that was God. Frederick Nietzsche, the man who coined the phrase, God is dead, also from Germany. But when achieving perfection on earth proves to be impossible, that heaven is only in the afterlife, and the people themselves are considered to be the obstacle, the next step is to implement one's vision of utopia by force. Glenn Beck. I am a big fan of disruptive ideas, and this year, Casper Mattresses is on the top of my list. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I love sleeping on my Casper Mattress. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at an unbelievably fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And better yet, it breathes so you don't wake up drenched in sweat. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your home. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. Imagine that, a company so confident that their product is what you want, that they'll offer a 100% refund. Made in America, with free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash glen and use the promo code glen. Terms and conditions do apply. Go to casper.com slash glen, casper.com slash glen, 